You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio. Disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts. And our podcast, available anytime on demand at WPTF.com or our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. I'm your host, Mike Olander of AARP North Carolina. I've got a great show for you today. Jordan Roberts of the John Locke Foundation is with us to talk about housing issues here in North Carolina. But before we get to that, as always, ladies and gentlemen, our esteemed production engineer here at WPTF. Mr. Jason Kong, back from spring break. Jason, great to see you, my friend. How you doing? It's great to see you, Mike. It, it was a spring break for my son. It wasn't really a spring break for me, but it, it was still a good time nonetheless. Well, you're looking good. You've gotten the cobwebs off you from not working, <laughs> but I know you actually, that's actually not true. You've been working, though not in your production capacity as yes. you do here at the station, but uh, doing a little work around the house. Is that right? A lot of work around the house, particularly painting, which has been an experience. It's uh, it's still ongoing, actually, as we discuss mm. it here, but it's it's coming along nicely. I have to tell you, I'm a renter right now. Uh, that'll change at some point. Um, when I was a homeowner, painting was one of those things that just never, I never could get away from it. You know, there was always something to be painted, uh, something to be caulked. And I have to tell you, to be completely honest with you, Jason, um, I don't miss those things one bit at all. And so when you were telling me what your spring break plans were, which was painting, paint prepping, which is the worst part, Uh right? Lots of sanding and taping. Oh, gosh, yeah, and all the finishing. But you absolutely need to do it, though, in order to get a good job. You know, I mean, you need to do the put in a little bit of elbow grease and get that blue tape and drop cloths and all that other stuff. Cleaning brushes, hated that stuff. Cleanup is is quite a chore if you want to preserve your materials. But, yeah, it's it's been good. No disasters. I haven't, like, spilled anything. The only thing that I, I will complain about is that as, as prepping things, you know, I've stepped on many uh, – marble or matchbox car or lego because of my kids but other than that it's it's been okay stepping on lego's barefoot is one of the worst it's, parts uh, of fatherhood i have found it's it's quite painful <laughs> well uh housing it, of course with with being a homeowner um you know there are all sorts of challenges and responsibilities that come with that and uh, today uh, i'm really excited to be having um, our guest with us in a few minutes uh, to talk about housing issues uh, but I have to say, for those who are, are listening, um, you know, being a homeowner and the um, all that it, that is good that comes with um, uh, with home ownership is something I think uh, all that with all the responsibilities and things that you have to do that are not fun to do. You know, owning your little own little slice of the the American dream is truly a wonderful thing. And as I mentioned before, um, I'm not currently not a homeowner. I am a renter and I am sort of enjoying the fact of not having all those responsibilities and expenses. But uh, when I bought my first home was back in New Jersey. um, And uh, well, let's just say, Jason, I made a bit of a mistake. Um, If there's one thing in my life, I could pick one thing in my life uh, to do over again. One of one of those choices certainly would be 
thinking twice about purchasing that first home I had. We bought right at the top of the market in 2006. And literally, I think it was a month or two later, prices in our area started to level out. And of course, at that point, everyone was saying, you got to get in, you got to get in, you got to get a house. And we got a, a good mortgage, fixed 30-year mortgage, you know, how to put some money down, had a little skin in the game. Um, and uh, man, that starter home wound up being just such a, <laughs> such an experience for us with all the maintenance it needed. And we lived in a flood zone. And, uh, you know, you have to have flood insurance. It's not covered by homeowners. And that got really, really expensive over time. And imagine folks living in New Jersey, paying New Jersey property taxes in one of the most expensive counties in the state, plus $7,000 a year in flood insurance. Um, That was an expensive, quote-unquote, investment, which, let's just say, did not wound up... um, uh, you know, paying off in the way that we had hoped. But uh, we all live, we all learn, we experience life. We had two beautiful kids born in that house. Um, and we have moved on since then uh, with a greater sense of appreciation for housing and home ownership and all that comes with it. So um, all that to the side now, let's get into the real uh, good stuff. The issue of housing is something that is uh, becoming a bigger and bigger issue uh, here in North Carolina, especially here in the Triangle. We get all the good news about uh, good high-paying jobs coming to the Triangle, and of course that has an effect on demand for housing and of course the prices that people are going to be paying for houses. On top of that, you uh, consider the fact that, of course, like all other states, North Carolina is aging. The percentage of, of uh, adults living here is getting older. Um, people are living longer. More people are coming here because they recognize all the wonderful things that our state has to offer. And that means that uh, housing um, is not just uh, an issue for those people who are coming here for the new jobs, but for the people who want to live their best lives as they get older And um, that means uh, in order to meet that challenge, uh, we have to get a little bit more creative than we have in the past with these types of things. And uh, that means that everybody needs to be at the table, uh, regardless of uh, what your perspective is, what your uh, take is on what should the role of government be versus uh, uh, personal versus the private sector uh, and so forth. And so the more voices we have at the table, Um, especially smart voices um, who do research and know a thing or two about the state, um, the better it it, it can be for us. And so I'm very happy to have with us uh, Jordan Roberts, who's the Director of Government Affairs for the John Locke Foundation here in the studio with us. Jason, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back here. I was telling y'all uh, just before we started, it's been a while since I've been to WPTF. Uh, some of your listeners probably remember Rick and Donna Martinez. So uh, shout out to them, uh, my former colleagues, and it's great to be back. And it is great to have you not only here in person, but with such a great radio voice, right, Jason? Now, <laughs> we don't have too many of them here, so it's great to have you uh, on board. So before we get into any of the issues uh, related to housing, uh, just a bit of uh, some basic background for folks who don't know. Um, What is the John Locke Foundation? Yeah, so the John Locke Foundation uh, started in the early 1990s. We are a state-based public policy think tank, so we only focus on North Carolina uh, public policy, but, you know, some issue areas uh, get intertwined with the federal government. So, you know, to that extent, we, we do deal with a little bit of federal issues, but primarily focus just working in the General Assembly. Um, we uh, are... 
uh, a nonpartisan think tank, but we view um, public policy through the lens of free markets, limited constitutional government. So that tends to end up being more conservative policy or quote unquote uh, center right policy. Um, but you know, for a public policy think tank, we really don't get involved in the politics um, outside of you know what's, what we're just dealing with in uh, changes to statute. Um, so we. Uh, you know, we, we like to focus on uh, all things North Carolina, and we'll work with really anyone that shares our same public policy goals, because again, at the end of the day, our goal is to uh, make good, effective changes to public policy to increase the prosperity for all North Carolinians. That's great. And I like on your website, it, it talks a bit about some background uh, of your organization, and on that, it's it uh, addresses the issue of... of um, uh, perspective. And it says, you know, when asked, are you guys libertarian, conservative or liberal? Answer, yes. The answer <laughs> to is everything. all of the above. That's right. right. Which, That's is, right. W- which is a great take on that. Um, before we get into the issue at all, um, you guys have, uh, just so folks who don't know, uh, just about the, the, the name John Locke, mm-hmm. who was that? Yeah. And then, of course, here in North Carolina, Art Pope had a, had a role in, in you guys right. in your early days. A bit of background on that? Yeah, so, um, you know, John Locke, uh, 16th century English philosopher, uh, he was instrumental in, you know, what we call early liberalism, um, you know, equality under the law, uh, you know, free markets, um, you know, people charting their own course, making their own prosperity. And, you know, times were a lot different back then. We had, uh, you know, over in Europe, a lot of religious governments, a lot of government overreach. So he was, you know, one of the first ones speaking out about that. And, you know, what we call sort of classical liberalism, not what we know today as big L L liberalism, um, you know, that's sort of what he was the founding father of. He's very instrumental in influencing our Declaration of Independence and also, you know, some of the first constitutions here in North Carolina. Um, now, getting into housing, one of the hot topics at the state legislature right now is housing. Uh, why is that? What do you think? Um, and, and what's your what, what's John Locke's take on, on the housing situation here in, in the Triangle? Let's, let's start on that. Yeah, so, you know, this is something that we've, uh, I, I, when I started doing research on this, uh, John Locke Research has been talking about local government regulations as, as far back as the early 2000s, you know, talking about how they impact the market in a negative way. Uh, you know, more government intervention sometimes skews the market and doesn't allow, uh, you know, developers to meet the needs, be creative, things like that. So uh, we've been looking at this issue for a while, but what we've seen recently is the amount of influx of population, like you mentioned, coming into the state. I think 130,000 people moved to North Carolina last year. And if you look at the data, we're just not building in, uh, as many houses as we were uh, pre-recession levels. We're far below that. Um, and when you have uh, a rising population, low stock, uh, it's simple economics, prices are going to go up, people are going to be uh, having trouble looking or having trouble finding houses. So what we see, what we're seeing now is that um, a lot of local governments have uh, sort of overreached, overstepped in how they're regulating and uh, you know, restricting land use. And so we think that is part of the reason why housing prices have gone up and supply is low is there's, um, you know, just a, a, the balance is off between uh, local governments and uh, how, how they allow the market to deal with these needs. And you guys do research on this as well? Yeah. Yeah. We have several researchers, including myself. Uh, I'm, I don't do as much research now that I'm the head of government affairs. But uh, yeah, uh, Paige Terryberry, our fiscal policy analyst, she's been looking into a lot of this, doing research on just the background of you know how the housing market is changing, 
um, and what, what local regulations are getting in the way. We also recently partnered with the Cato Institute in Washington, D.C., um, another center-right, more libertarian think tank, and they've been doing a lot of great research. They uh, just released a new paper on North Carolina's housing market, a much more in-depth, holistic view of what's happened over the last uh, you know decade or so and what uh, we can look to other states to see uh, what is going to happen to North Carolina if we don't make these uh, public policy changes? Well, housing is definitely, uh, we definitely shared interest with you guys in, in this being um, an area of great concern and need for uh, some creative solutions. After our commercial break, we're going to continue our conversation with Jordan about what specifically is going on in the state legislature right now and what can we be doing about that. This is ARP Without Limits. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is AARP Without Limits. Talk radio here at WPTF. Send us a question. Send us a comment. Send us a suggestion for a future guest topic or issue topic area. Send us an email at aarpwithoutlimits at aarp.org. Today, we've been speaking with Jordan Roberts of the John Locke Foundation about housing here in North Carolina. And Jordan, uh, right now, uh, both AARP and the John Locke Foundation are supporting uh, a couple of bills, House Bill 409 and Senate Bill 374, which deals with the regulation of accessory dwelling units, also known as ADUs. Can you tell us, uh, tell our listeners, what are ADUs and why uh, the John Locke Foundation thinks they are an important piece of this puzzle to help tackle our housing situation here? Yeah, absolutely. ADUs stand for accessory dwelling units. So as the name uh, implies, they are accessory to the primary dwelling, um, you know, sometimes referred to as granny flats, mother-in-law suites. They can look uh, all different ways, um, you know, if it's just a one-bedroom uh, sort of, uh, you know, house, a smaller house in your backyard, anything like that. Um, and, you know, they're, they're – uh, how we see this uh, fitting in is, you know, and talking about the larger housing reform issue, there's a lot of zoning reform issues that we can get into, but ADUs we see as sort of uh, lower hanging fruit. Um, some municipalities allow them, uh, some place very strict regulations that make them almost uh, non-functional. It's almost impossible to build them. So with this bill, uh, we're trying to make, um, or we believe uh, that ADUs should be by right across the state, meaning if you meet all the requirements, uh, pay, the, pay the requisite fees, uh, that you should be able to build them without much obstruction. And the reason why is, you know, we think, again, it's not a silver bullet for the housing crisis, but it gives property owners uh, more options to, you know, use their property as they see fit. And also it's going to increase housing supply as more folks want to, you know, put something on their property to house their family. Um, You know, we think it can increase housing supply. And uh, as your uh, supporters and members are probably very uh, interested in, uh, as family needs change, uh, an aging population, and you don't want to break up that family, uh, you can, you know, have a a situation where you keep the family together, but have uh, living in separate dwellings there. Uh, I think, too, as remote work starts to become more popular, this is another option to, you know, keep families together, have another uh, space for, you know, your family to do whatever they need to do. Um, But also it can be a a way for families to get passive income, rental income. um, And, you know, that helps uh, not only the homeowners, but the people that are looking for low cost options to live in an area. You know, if you move into an area, uh, you may not 
know where you exactly want to live, but if you have an option for a one-bedroom ADU that's below market rate, um, you know, it gives you it gives you that option. So again, not a silver bullet, but we think low-hanging fruit that uh, will help alleviate the the housing shortage and again uh, boost property rights in North Carolina. Yeah, not a silver bullet, but you hit so many great points with that single bullet there. Mm-hmm. There are so many positives to it, and I'm so glad that you brought up the piece about keeping families together. Um, and me and Jason here have spoken about the issue of livable communities, right? Uh, many, many times here on this show, the idea of we need to create communities that are great places to live for people of all ages and abilities. As the demographics of the state continue to age and to get older proportionately, um, you know, whenever we have surveyed, and ARP just did yet another uh, study on this recently that was uh, that was published, literally 90% of the respondents, when asked, uh, do you prefer to remain in your own home uh, should you need additional care, 90% of them say, yes, I want to remain in my own community, if possible, in my own home. And things like ADUs, from some people can be that solution to 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 that problem, um, and then if not, if it's not just a family issue, if you're looking to you know again create some simple income um, to allow you to be able to uh, make some use of some space on your property to help address some of the housing needs in your own community, it's tremendous. It's sort of one of those you know rare instances where you have people across the board look at this and say win 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 for everybody whether you're the consumer looking for uh, a really flexible place, uh, an option for you as far as housing goes, whether you're a family looking to stay together as your needs for uh, care increase. Um, It's so, so important. So uh, right now there is a bill in the state legislature in both houses uh, that, that address ADUs. What's the status of this currently? Yeah, so both bills, have, uh, the companion bills have been introduced. They're the same in both chambers right now. Um, we've heard from the bill sponsors that hopefully next week uh, the um, uh, the bill will be uh, heard in committee. So that's how the process will start. You know, we'll get input from other uh, members of the committee. Uh, the bills have to pass both chambers. So we're still a long way off, but, um, you know, we're, we're optimistic that, you know, there's been enough interest, enough people interested in housing reform. And again, we look at this as sort of, uh, you know, the start of, of housing reform in North Carolina. So we're hopeful that the bills start to move and that we can get them across the finish line. Great. Yeah. And uh, we, we share your optimism on that, too. This is one of these instances where ARP and the John Locke Foundation both see the problem and we agree uh, on the solution to it. Another area uh, where we have where we have some really strong agreement is in a totally different issue area. Um, and this is the issue of, of health care, which mm-hmm. is the SAVE Act. So for those who don't know, what is the SAVE Act, what it's about? Why is it important to you guys? Yeah, so the SAVE Act, uh, what it would do, um, state law in North Carolina for a long time has been that uh, four different types of advanced practice registered nurses or APRNs, they have to enter into uh, collaborative practice agreements with physicians uh, for them to be supervised in order to practice in North Carolina. But the problem, as we see it, is that uh, the supervision is really a name only. The uh, supervising physician doesn't even have to be in the same uh, facility, the same county, sometimes they're even out of state. And so what it does is it puts these uh, you know, highly qualified and highly trained nurses in a situation where their ability to practice is conditioned off of getting a supervising physician. Now, if 
the supervising physician decides to close up shop and move out or doesn't want to be uh, uh, supervised those types of nurses anymore, then that really puts uh, a bind on the nurses and they have to, you know, they may not be able to practice in the state if they can't find a supervising physician. So the way we see it is that, uh, you know, there's no real supervision going on in most cases. Uh, you know, a lot of times there is uh, collaborative practice arrangements uh, where they're in the same facility, but let's say a nurse practitioner that focuses on primary care wants to go out into a rural area if she can't find he or she can't find a uh, supervising physician, then you know she can't pre- he or she can't practice. And so we see that as a it's a regulation issue. And what we want to do is uh, you know open up the market, um, allow these uh, highly qualified and highly trained practitioners to practice without supervised supervisory agreements. Yeah, I think it's it's again this is one of those no brainer types of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we use the term rural here. Um, it's it's such an important part of of North Carolina, right? Seventy eight percent of our hundred right. counties are rural, um, and when we talk about things like housing, we talk about things like healthcare. You know, it's really easy to um, um, to for us to to focus on the urban areas where lots of people live. But right. the fact of the matter is, is you have people out in these seventy eight other counties who have got real needs. And uh, one of the things we learned about the pandemic, of course, uh, when people were shut in, people didn't have the normal type of access they had to things like healthcare or telehealth was huge, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we all hopefully drank and, and, and understood the, 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 the deliciousness of that Kool-Aid at that point. But then also APRNs, this issue here of being able to expand our access now that we have Medicaid expansion, um, here in North Carolina, um, that need is going to be greater, and we're going to need to be able to reach out. Um, and the more creative we can be with those solutions, uh, the better. Uh, John, uh, excuse me, Jordan, how can folks find out about the John Locke Foundation? Yeah, they can go to our website, johnlock.org. We also have a uh, newspaper publication, the Carolina Journal. You can find that at carolinajournal.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jordan Roberts NC. All of our uh, John Locke and Carolina Journal are on Twitter. You can find all the latest news. Um, and everything that's going on, latest research on what's going on down at the General Assembly. So please check us out there. We would love to uh, love to have you uh, check out our stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. We appreciate having the opportunity to work with you on these important issues here. Uh, So, folks, that is a wrap. Again, please email your questions and comments to us at AARP without limits at aarp.org thanks to jordan roberts for being our guest thank you to jason kong for production thank you for listening this has been aarp without limits i'm mike olander signing off